Rise and Shine Pinchers, welcome back to another episode of Just a Quick Pinch. I'm your host, Connie Wang. I'm so excited for you guys to hear today's episode with Dr. Ashley. We go deep and vulnerable about what happens when life turns out the way that we didn't expect. So she shares her story about being a practice owner to two dental practices, um, being a podcast host to two podcasts, being a mom to two boys. <laughs> There's a two theme happening here. And also what it's like with her Facebook group, The Making Of. So we just get really really real about her experience and we talk about the highs and lows that she's faced she has a lot of good lessons and nuggets in this episode so i hope you guys enjoy i'm super excited i'm attending her retreat coming up in a couple weeks um if you guys like what you heard please leave a rating and a review on apple Podcasts and spotify also my apologies i know the audio is a little bit wonky on this one anyways without further ado on to the main episode hit it editing connie Alrighty, Dr. Ashley, I'm so excited to have you on. The main reason why I wanted to have you on today is because you are a master of fun. Like you guys just have the most fun. You guys are always jamming out. And I was like, wow, this is someone that looks like they really love what they do. Um, I wanted to hear about your journey into becoming a dentist that really loves what you do and now owns your two practices because I'm sure it wasn't always like that. Absolutely not. It was exactly the opposite. And um, thank you so much, Connie. I appreciate uh, being a guest on your show. I graduated from NYU in 2009. Gosh, it feels like forever ago. And after that, I did a residency in Philadelphia. And then I started working for associateships that were mm, not exactly the greatest experiences. I'll just leave it at that. Um, I worked <laughs> in a Medicaid mill and I worked in a fever service practice that was barely getting by. And then I worked for a, a, a well-oiled machine that was super profitable, but also not exactly the healthiest work environment uh, for your mental health. <laughs> so, mm. um, I basically have been through the gamut. And one of the things that I really loved was actually my time working in a pediatric office. Now they are, they've since been incorporated into a DSO. But at the time that I was working there, it was a group practice that was profitable, but also a lot of fun. And I don't know, Connie, if you've ever worked with kids. Have you worked with a pediatric environment? Um, we did like in school, we had rotations and like the practice that I work in now is very like family practice, but I've never been solely pediatric. No. Gotcha. Well, I never thought that I was going to work in a pediatric office. The, um, the position became available and we had just moved back to California. My husband's residency brought us back home. Thank goodness. And, <laughs> um, I thought it was going to be a short-term fix and I ended up loving it. Like I loved the fact that we could be goofy and sing and dance and we played around with the kids. And then we also played around with the parents to the point where parents were asking us, can we, can we come here as patients? <laughs> and then when it became apparent that I was not going to figure out like what my plans were with these associateships, it, I knew I had to create my own office and well, let me backtrack. I tried to acquire a practice in California. And at the time it was like these offices were going, um, they were getting sold sight unseen. And 
they were all going above asking. And whenever I would visit the practice, it would be a rundown practice where mm. you really don't know what you're buying. And um, I told my husband, I said, if this is what's out there, then I'm just going to retire. Like, this is pretty crappy. <laughs> it's so true. Like, it, it was so not what I expected, especially we dedicate our lives to education. And especially for you, Connie, you went to pharmacy school <laughs> and then you went to dental school. Like, yeah. if, if anybody knows education, it's you. But that path <laughs> is a long, arduous process. And now here I am. Years after I had graduated from dental school, not feeling, not feeling fulfilled. And my husband, he's, he's been my biggest cheerleader. He said, you know, if you don't find the practice that you want to buy, that you can see yourself being happy working in, then why don't you just create one? So that was the journey into doing a startup. And I basically, Connie, one day I wrote down all the things that I hated about the dentist because I hate going to the dentist. I hate the way it looks. I hate the way it smells, the way it feels. It feels so stuffy, at least in all of the practices I was in. It was, you had to act a certain way. All mm -hmm. of the music was the same exact radio station and the vibe was so um, boring. Like, Mm -hmm. Why does growing up have to suck so bad? I don't know. I, maybe it's just me that I'm like a kid at heart, but um, <laughs> I wrote down all the things that I would change if I ever started my own office. And then I went back to my time working in the pediatric offices. And I said, you know what? I think we can be both. I think we can do amazing quality dentistry. I think we can be respected as a professional, but I also think that we can invoke that experience where patients can have fun and be goofy and laugh with us because when mm. they are comfortable, all their guards are down. And that is, um, that was the genesis of Smiling Co. So it became like my dream practice, like the Disney of dentistry. I love that. I always say too, like, you're absolutely right. Like everything about the dentist is almost designed to be unpleasant, like smells weird, <laughs> tastes bad, boring, Awful. old, like you just, or like old music, drab wallpaper. Um, yeah. But I always like say that it excites me in a way because now I feel like dentistry is actually very ripe for disruption. I'm curious. So something a lot of my audience is actually currently new grads, kind of finding their identity and their voice. And I have a feeling that you probably relate to how I feel. One of my struggles is that obviously I'm new, so I'm trying to portray as if I am not new. <laughs> so I'm trying to be confident, right? I'm trying to convince my patients, like, I've done this before, I'm good. Yeah. But the thing is, when you look so young, being like a young Asian female, you always get people that question you. How did you respond? I'm sure you have really good responses, but how did you respond when someone would say like, how long have you been a dentist? Or aren't you that young for this? <laughs> you know, honestly, I beat them to the punchline. Which oh, that is so good. I, um, so if they would ask, um, oh, when does the dentist come in? I'm like, oh, let me look for her. Oh, that's me. <laughs> or, I love um, that. Or they'll ask, um, like, have you done this before? And then I'll say, you know, I, I watched it on YouTube a couple times. That's but, so good. <laughs> and then, and then I, I think when you, when you can portray like humor 
and mm. you 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 get it like you say i i realize that this place is a scary environment to be in and i look young and um thank you asian jeans yeah um, <laughs> but i think most people just want to feel like they're being heard and mm. that they're being seen and that you are going to take the very best care of them and i think that if you um if you are confident in that even if you've only done a procedure five times you walk in with a certain swagger you mm -hmm. you can make fun of yourself you can say you know what i've done this and you're in amazing hands and um i got you like that's all the patients need to know like they mm -hmm. they want to know that whatever you are going to do for them that you are a skilled professional but they also want to know that you care that you're not going to just dismiss their fears that you're mm -hmm. not going to um do something that is gonna be damaging to them or hurt them and that's mm -hmm. all they need they just need that reassurance so I um I don't get it anymore, especially with my grades um growing up. But <laughs> in the beginning, Connie, everybody asked me like, "Okay, where's the real dentist?" Like, especially mm. a, a woman, they were expecting a, a male in many of the offices right. that I worked in, and that unfortunately is a stereotype that we we have to accept. But nowadays. I feel like women are what are, are aren't we like 50% of the the new grads these days? Yeah. yeah, and I feel like something that I'm like trying to figure out how to do. I know it takes many years to develop your own voice is yeah. like my boss, I have a really great boss and mentor, but he's like uh like straight white male, you know? He's yeah. like the typical face of what dentistry looks like for a lot of people. So people don't really question him when he walks into the room. I mean, like he's worked for many years. So he'll tell me things to say that work well for him. And some of them hit. Mm -hmm. Others, I'll say them and I'm like, this didn't feel right. It's like putting on like the wrong person's shoe, you know? You're like, yeah. that felt weird. And I'll walk out of the room and be like, huh, I need to like fine tune how I say that one. Because it's almost like stand-up comedy, I joke. Because everyone we walk into, you're like, all right, let's see if this bit sticks. And yeah. slowly I'm figuring out what works well for me and what doesn't. What specifically, because I know that, you know, you, one of your biggest strengths is you really make people feel seen and heard in your chair, on your staff. Um, what is something that you think really helps you like be a better listener and help people feel heard? Oh man, that is a great question. I think it, I naturally just love conversation. And I think mm. that may not be the norm in our profession I think being a dentist um, attracts a very stereotypical type a I don't really want to talk to you let's like work in the mouth and send you on your way so mm -hmm. I think naturally I'm already an oddball there and mm. what I've learned is that people don't care how much um how much education you're going to spew at them Mm. They want to feel like they can talk about themselves. So the more questions you ask about what they're looking for, why did they leave their other practice? What, um, what are the things that um, you can do to make them more comfortable? And what is it that they want? So many mm. times we go in and we start diagnosing and we start saying, well, your perio looks awful you didn't floss, your gums are bleeding, you got cracks galore, and now we have to like fix them with crowns. Like, 
just sit down, have a conversation and say, you know, before I get started, is there anything that you want to talk about that nobody may have asked you before? Is there oh, anything- I love that. Yeah. Like it on a scale from one to 10, with 10 being you love your smile, where do you fall? And regardless of where they answer, like if they say 10, I'm like, oh my gosh, amazing. I love a confident smile. And if they say, oh, a five, a six, instead of agreeing with them, say, well, tell me more about that. Why did you rate yourself whatever? And then Mm. they start talking and they start asking questions. So people love to hear themselves talk. And (laughs) and the more they talk, I think they've actually done a a few studies about this. Like the people... um, there was a, a research project a few years back that um, the more people like they they did studies where um, a person was followed in a in a social setting. And even though the, the person never once said anything about themselves, the other person who spoke more, they had connected on a on a um, a more deeper level with that person who never once said anything about themselves. So they're like, I love that person. They're great. I love that person. (laughs) Yes. I feel like that's something that I've also been, I guess, struggling with as a new grad. And I know a lot of us do is because we come into the situation being like, all right, I got to sell them on the fact that like, Mm -hmm. they need to know that I know stuff. So then it almost feels like you have to try to educate them so much. But the thing is, you can't when your hygienist's work is waiting for you. There's three other hygienists, your patient is already numbed up and they're ready for the crown prep. So I think like fine tuning my delivery and being like, okay, let's let me stop talking so much and let someone else talk and make them feel heard that's been kind of like the struggle it's being like oh less is more in that sense a hundred percent and when you start taking more ce about Mm. treatment presentation and and then especially when you start getting into more cosmetic procedures or like more all on x's all of that like the high production stuff you'll actually hear all the speakers say it over and over again less talking like zip it People don't want to hear the education. They don't want to hear, you know, like how to prep a crown. They want to know, is it going to hurt? Are you going to give me what I want? And how long is this going to take? If you keep filling that, um, that awkward silence with, Mm. with over explanation, you've actually ended, ended the case presentation and not in your favor. You got to make sure to to um to let them tell you what they want and people are going to be moved by either pleasure or pain. So they're not going to be moved by how much education you give them. Right. No one wants to have a root canal. Nobody wants to have a crown, but they don't want their tooth breaking. They don't want to be without a front tooth. Those are the things that you have to talk about. Mm, that's so powerful especially I have to like sit with that for a second what you said about how people are moved by pleasure or pain um it kind of reminds me I was listening to a podcast I said it before on this one how when you're trying to explain something to someone um expense is in the absence of value meaning if people don't understand the value of what you're giving them it will always be too expensive they'll always be like okay no i need to spend money on the house i need to spend money on the kids until they understand that value is oh i won't be in pain anymore 
it's not expensive anymore. It's like an investment or something. Yes. I'm going to steal that. So good. And it's so true. People mm -hmm. will find money for the things that they want. Like a hundred percent. We are, um, we're reptilian thinkers. <laughs> yes. The reptilian brain. Oh my gosh. The reptilian brain. That's so yeah. funny. And you know, a lot of my audience too, some of them are dentists. Some of them are also, you know, like pharmacists, um, doctors, nurses. I have a lot of young women in all different realms of healthcare working in the field. And I think a common thread is a lot of us have that burnout. A lot of us feel like we got ourselves into something we didn't know we were signing up for. I want to hear from you because now you have all this experience. You've opened up two practices. How do you keep things fun and exciting? Because for us, it's still new. So it's exciting and like scary, but like it's exciting, you know, that's still there. But how do you not let that magic fade? Man, you are. Can I just tell you, this is exactly the things that I, I love to speak on because I mean, it has to be, it has to be a priority. You have mm -hmm. to make self-care a priority. You have to figure out what lights you up outside of your profession, whether that's reading or shopping or traveling or spending time with your significant other, you have to put yourself first. And um, with that being said, a lot of what you see on social media is the highlight reel. So sometimes that mm. in and of itself can be a trigger to have someone else look at like what I'm doing at Smile & Co, for instance, and think, mm. wow, she's having fun. She has two successful practices. But behind the scenes, there's so much that I'm stressed out about that um, I can't unplug and I'm mm. worried about and in the middle of the night. And even when I'm here with my boys, I'm not exactly as present as I would like to be. So I still struggle with that, Connie. Like it's, mm. you get to a certain point in your career. Like we're, we are so driven. That is how we've gotten to this level of life, right? We're so driven. We're always looking at what's the next thing that we can accomplish. And, and then you find that once it hits, either the goalpost moves mm. or you realize you never actually celebrated the journey or, and I've, I've talked to many doctors about this, you, you achieve it and it doesn't bring you the fulfillment that you thought it was going to be. Um, something that I, I find myself um, doing more and more is reading fantasy <gasps> wait you like read my mind dr ashley today when i was walking my dog i was like this weekend i'm gonna make it a commitment to go to the bookstore and not buy a self-help business but i'm gonna uh -huh. get like a fantasy like something yes. fictional okay wait tell me how you discovered this and it's let's let's unpack this yes okay so i have i have a kindle and i have an audible account and okay. tell me why connie even when I am driving, if I'm listening to the radio, I feel like I'm wasting time. I feel like I mm. should be turning my car into MBA. Like I have that's to me. be. That's you. See, we're always listening to audi audible um, yeah. for business and leadership and self self development. Like mm -hmm. if you're working eight, nine, 10 hours a day, and then you're driving and you're getting ready for work and all of the things are based on like, how are you going to be better, better, better? Right. Your brain needs time to 
play. Mm-hmm. Otherwise you will burn out. And I was talking to Kira Dent about this. I love Kira so much. She was saying how she has a personal trainer now. And, you know, if you are always lifting weights, your muscles will, will not, um, will not have time to grow back stronger because you're not, you're always putting stress on them. And that's the same thing with our brains. Our brain is the most powerful organ muscle mm-hmm. yeah, organ yeah <laughs> are we, the brain is an organ I I feel like I, I think I it's an organ because I feel like it I, I'm like what constitutes as a muscle Jesus I can't believe we don't remember <laughs> I I think it's both an organ and a muscle it's like the most important thing right right and that I can we, that I know <laughs> <laughs> why do we feel so guilty if we give ourselves time to play and Mm. so I started I made it a point and I told my husband this I said you know I I really love um I really love like love novels like Mm. especially when they're um young adult because it takes me back to high school my husband's like you're so weird you're like in your (laughs) 40s now and you're still (laughs) you're still into all of that stuff but it just adulting can be hard and mm-hmm. you need to be able to like let your brain just wander and be okay with that. Rest is still work. I think, you know, where do you like get your great ideas from? Because like you've come up with so many creative endeavors, not only Smile & Co, but also um, having the retreat, which we'll talk about, having your two podcasts. Like how did you come up with all of these ideas for all these new endeavors to take on? I, I think I'm a squirrel, Connie. I just... <laughs> I really, I really love to talk for Mm. one. And I think um, I've just never been one to just settle like, and that is still something that I struggle with. Like I, I would, I think I would really appreciate if dentistry was just my jam and I was so completely fulfilled by it, but that's not me. That's not my personality. And I also thought that I was going to be completely in love with my maternity leave and I was going to kill it as a stay-at-home mom and I mm-hmm. was just antsy to get out of the house so can we unpack a little bit about why your maternity leave was something that you weren't expecting in terms of how it would go and how you didn't end up becoming the stay-at-home mom that you thought your life was going to turn out being oh Connie I could do like a series <laughs> about mom guilt and all of the things but yeah. I, so after I had my second son, my husband's work, so he was, he just got accepted for a fellowship at UCLA. Mm. So my, I had a 18 month old and then a newborn. And then we uprooted our family and we moved to LA and it was only going to be for one year. And then I said, okay, well, during this time, I'm going to have all the meals prepped I'm gonna take my boys to the um was it the farmer's market and buy all this fresh produce <laughs> That's organic. I know it's like super organic because we're in Santa Monica oh my gosh I'm gonna learn how to do photography I'm going to pick up like another hobby that I had I I basically had thought that this was going to be a vacay for me and that (laughs) I was going to have 
boys who slept well through the night it wasn't colicky you know like because expectations versus reality right mm. and then come to find out connie when we moved i had no help i mean my everybody was still in northern california so seven hours away and on the weekends they would take turns trying to um or driving or flying back down to to give me help to give me reprieve Brian mm. was a full-time fellow, so obviously his hours were crazy. Mm. And it was me with a one-and-a-half-year-old and a newborn that literally cried almost round the clock. Oh, my god! Didn't want to sleep at the same time. When one was just going down for a nap, the other was waking up and vice versa. And my oldest was actually extremely... I, he was our colicky kid. He still is mm. our colicky kid and he's 10. <laughs> <laughs> but it, I like, there's some days that I, I don't even think I showered. I mean, I brushed my teeth because I'm a dentist, <laughs> but I, everything that I had thought I was going to do for myself, for my mm. kids, for my health, I thought I was going to work out all the time and walk. <laughs> around the beach Connie I had big plans for my maternity leave and it was so crap and I I I remember crying like I remember sitting in in the apartment because in Santa Monica it was like four thousand dollars for a two-bedroom apartment that had been renovated in 1970 like a <laughs> super expensive place Mm -hmm. And um, my husband was still at the hospital and it was me and two screaming boys. And oh. I was, I just cried. And I, I remember not showering, not getting out of my pajamas and just thinking like, man, I can't even do this right. Like mm -hmm. I had spent all this time in my education. I was, I was a freaking doctor. And I still didn't have an office that I loved. And now I thought I had big plans for motherhood and and what I was gonna what it was gonna look like and how I was gonna be this perfect stay-at-home mom and this amazing wife for my husband. And it wasn't the case. I was as stressed out. And and what I realized then is that my bandwidth, like I am a much better mom when all of my attention isn't just on my kids. Mm. Like I need that. I need to be able to, to exercise the various aspects of my creativity to, to like, cause I mean, naturally we're ambitious women and not to say that if you're a stay at home mom, you're not, I just, it just wasn't as fulfilling as I had thought it was going to be. That story is so powerful because I think that's something that like all of us can relate to is like going into something excited for that fresh start and like what it could be. And then it ends up being completely different than what we expected. I want to know, like, how did you pick yourself up from that though? Because that just sounds like so brutal. Having your two kids, having your husband be, you know, busy with his thing. 
how did you pick yourself up out of that? Because I'm sure there's someone listening right now that maybe they don't have the kids yet or, or anything like that, but they're like, I'm in that boat right now where like this, it feels like, it feels like the bottom. Yeah. And for me, it really was the bottom. And that actually is when I discovered podcasts. So this really? was in 2000, 2015. I had never heard of a podcast and this was back in the day when I think there were just a handful of dental podcasts and I listened to one episode and then one episode and then another. And I was just like filling my day with imagination. I was thinking mm. about, okay, so what do I do next? How do I create my business? And that is when I actually started writing the business plan for Smiling Co. I sat down and after listening to podcasts, I started to down, I, that's, I opened my Audible account and I started downloading business books. I think it was the first one I ever, ever bought was the E-Myth. Mm. Um, and I just took notes and then I, I let myself think about what my next move was. And, um, that's what it was like I I think we when we're in the hole when we think that you know it's not going to get better you have to give yourself something to look forward to even if it was just a walk around the neighborhood I needed to get out and I I told my husband too as soon as he would get home I would give him the kids and I would <laughs> lock myself in the bedroom and say honey I'm going to watch Netflix for one hour uninterrupted. You take the kids, just something. And because mm. if you don't have that break in your pattern, that's when you start to spiral. And um, yeah, so it was finding my love for podcasts and books, but also just needing me time. Holy smokes. When you become a, a mom, you will realize how important alone time is. And I, mm. I don't, I don't know if, I ever thought of myself as an introvert before. I think if you had asked anyone who ever knew me, they would say, yeah, right. She's not introvert. But <laughs> but now, Connie, now that I have three kids and two businesses, I crave, I crave alone time so much. Like I just mm. want to unplug. And if I did not have businesses, I don't even know if I would be on social media, to be completely honest. Like mm. I, it's so nice to just not be aware of what everyone else is doing in the world, what someone is, you know, celebrating or where someone is eating and why is their food so much more appetizing than your food? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like you get into the comparison game and that's, it's a very dangerous place to be. So it's, it's kind of like what we were talking about previously about like setting expectations. Social media has completely warped our sense of expectations for what life should be like, what business should be like, what dentistry relationship should be like. Like, yeah. I feel like our default now is comparison when in reality, like unplugging and like remembering how things used to be when you didn't know everything about someone oh. else's life. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's, it is so true. I think it was last year or the year before. I had so I try to go on a social media vacation at least mm. like once a year. And I think I went off it 
completely off. Like I deleted mm-hmm. every app on my phone for a week. How did that feel? Amazing. Like oh I, I wasn't worried about notifications. I wasn't worried about DMs. Like, and, and since I've built my practice on social media, that mm-hmm. means that a lot of patients find me there. Right. And now mm-hmm. they are connecting with me. Sometimes they're sending me messages at 10 PM on a mm-hmm. Sunday. And mm-hmm. I have issues with drawing boundaries. Like I always want to be the, I'm like the yes person. Like I just want to people please all the time. So mm-hmm. taking that break. Oh, it's so nice. I wish That's... I could do it all the time. I know. And that's like the struggle is that social media has become a tool in many ways, but just because it's a tool, like any tool, it has to be used in the right way and can be abused. I want to hear a little bit about, I know you alluded to this earlier about how it actually really is a struggle, um, you know, having these two practices, even though it looks like it's so much fun and all that, and you do have fun, but there's nuance, there's fun, but then the pain and the suffering and the, and the struggles can also exist. Can you open us up into your world a little bit and just share what's like a current struggle that you're trying to overcome? Well, definitely managing two offices instead of one. It's just like going from two kids. Mm. I mean, one kid to two kids. It's yeah. I, I took this beautiful work family and then I divided them in two. And now it became a almost like a divorced family where we see each other half the time. So the people who were in the original family, in the original Smile and Crow Folsom location, I'm not, it's, I mean, I've had turnover. Like it's hard. Change is hard. Change, there's always going to be some kind of mourning when something changes because it is the death of how Smile and Co. used to be. And mm. realizing that, holy crap, our culture has to evolve with having two locations. And the person that I have to be as a CEO is very different than how it used to be because now I'm not in the first location 100% of the time. Mm-hmm. And now I have to I have to make sure that the systems are set up, that the team is engaged, because now it's almost like an absentee owner location. Like, mm-hmm. how are you going to make sure that all of your ducks are still in a row? Like, you, you right. make the, the systems, but you have to make sure that you hold the people accountable. I actually want to... Go real deep with you for a second on this. When you're struggling with all of these struggles with the two practices, does a part of you ever think like, what if I had just stuck with the one? Do you ever think that? Because I think some people out there. Okay, cool. Can you confirm for other people that that's normal? Because I think that's something we have to be more open about is the questioning of our decisions because social makes social media makes it seem like I was confident. I did these two and we're thriving, but people need to hear this. People need to hear like, what would have happened if I just kept the one? Was this the best decision? They need to hear stuff like this. You're going to hear a lot more about this when you come to Sonoma, because this is what my talk is going to be on. It's um, growing and scaling or growing and failing. Mm-hmm. And um, and it is a constant question that I I still have. Like, why 
Why did I do this? Was it worth it? Was it worth double the overhead, double the stress? Was it was it something that I really needed or really wanted? And it it can be so glamorous, Connie, to build this, mm. you know, second location. And and I have I have no regrets when it comes to that. I I think that the practice is amazing and we're going through this transitional period. But mm-hmm. I mean, the growing pains are absolutely real. And just what, two days ago, I told my husband what if we just sold everything? And that is as honest as it gets. Like I, Mm. you will, it, it'll definitely push you. Um, sometimes it feels like to the breaking point and it's a lot. And I, I admire the people who can do this and like have no hiccups and can just like hit the ground running for me that is not the case and it's it's something that I wish more people would talk about because mm-hmm. there's it's it's still a struggle and I mean I miss the way it used to be but I also know that uh, especially I'm going to reference Kira again because um, I did a podcast with her not not too long ago she went to a women's conference held by uh, Tony Robbins wife And she reiterated one of the themes, which was fall in love with what is. And she even has that on her computer to remind herself that we chose this hard. Like at one point Mm. we dreamed about this life and now we're, we're stressing out about what we used to want for ourselves. So I have to remind myself that it is a process that we are needing to crawl before we can walk, before we can run. And that there's no such thing as failure. It's all been learning experiences and boy, have I had a ton of learning experiences. And I'm, I'm so glad that I get to share that with you in, in wine country, but um, yeah, it's, if you're out there listening and you're feeling stressed out, whether it's a dental practice or anything else, associateship, but everybody feels that. And we all wonder, we all second guess, like, was this worth what I'm dealing with right now? Right. And I think that's so powerful. I I really loved what you said about how the, how you felt that I miss what it used to be. I miss how it used to feel because we've all, I think, felt something like that, whether it's, you know, I think of my parents, both my mom and my dad listen to the podcast. Um, they're big supporters. <laughs> and I think of them sometimes because I think of what they left. I know this is a total tangent, but I think about what they left in China. They left everything that was familiar. I can't imagine every day they must have think like, this is what we left for. Like, I miss how things used to be. But when you look in the grand scheme over time of what they've built, the life they've created, I think it's so powerful. And I think your story is such a testament to that because this discomfort that you're feeling right now, it it might seem unfamiliar, but it actually in many ways is familiar because you probably felt that same way when you got dropped off at NYU at dental school many years ago. You probably have gone through that. Anyone listening to this might be going through those growing pains, but 
um, you know, your story and everyone's story is really tested that like, even when you do feel that kind of heartbreak, I guess, of missing what used to be, that it's kind of like a phoenix from the ashes situation. You need the ashes in order to rise like that phoenix. And I have a feeling that's what's coming for you. I really do. Thank you, Connie. And it is all I at the end of my days, what I want to make sure is that I had no regrets. I think when I look back at this second practice, I would have regretted not doing it. If, <clears throat> if, if the, you know, the, it, it's a sliding door moment. We have so many sliding door moments in our life. And, and I, I know that I chose this hard and, mm. um, and I have no regrets. Have you heard of that quote, the man in the arena? It is my favorite. It's um, mine too. Is it? You, oh my gosh. Yeah. I oh my love that. Did you, um, did you watch, um, Brene Brown deliver no. or talk about that? The man in the arena? No, I haven't, but oh. I do know of Brene Brown. I know she's incredible. She is incredible. She has a, well, I don't know if it's on anymore, but she has a whole Netflix special about that. But mm. if you have not yet heard this book, you need to download it. I, I'm going to, um, I'm going to make sure the next time I see you, Connie, that it's in your audible account. The power, oh my of, God. <laughs> the power of vulnerability by Brene Brown. It's still my okay. number one audiobook, and the way she talks it almost reads like a therapy session. Like you're mm. in the room with her and she talks about um, the man in the arena. And it that that is the best quote ever. It's my favorite. I love that. And I love your perspective on how it's like, you know what, this, this sucks, but we chose this suck. And it would yeah. suck more to never have discovered or known what could have been. Yep. So in many ways, this is the better sucking of the two yes. potentials. With our remaining time, I kind of want to switch gears because this whole talk has made me so excited for what I'm going to hear and what I'm going to learn at the retreat. Tell us a bit about the retreat and how the idea really like came to you of like, hey, let's like create a, a retreat of like like-minded individuals. But it's like, it's not just any retreat. So tell us why this is not just any retreat. <laughs> um, it's not just any retreat because it's a full-blown vacation that we have planned <laughs> in wine country. So um if you don't know um, the backstory of, of my group, um, at the time that I was building Smiling Co., I was looking at Facebook groups to connect with um, where doctors could talk about their startups. And when I did a search, I couldn't find any. So I created one. And then so the making of a dental startup was born. And now we are almost... 15,000 strong between two uh, Facebook groups. And I remember back in the early days, whenever I would take CE at a different C city, I would just post in the group and I said, hey, I'm going to be in Austin on this day. Anybody want to meet up? And then I'd get a hand, like we'd have five people meet up. And then in San Diego, we had 40 people meet up and Seattle, we had 12 people meet up and it was the coolest experience to get that community because as you know, working in dentistry can be isolating, can be lonely. And, um, and also some of the best learning that I've encountered isn't necessarily in the conferences. 
it happens in the lobby after it happens at happy hour it happens mm. at dinner with the attendees and um and i thought about it and this was right after covid i said i feel like it's time where the making of finally just had its own retreat and what we're going to do is we are going to build it around community because you can learn dentistry anywhere but where can you really foster connections like true lifelong connections with other like-minded docs. So last year was the first time ever we hosted the making of retreat. It was in Napa and we invited 78 people into wine country last November. And it was the best experience. And we had all the attendees just rave about it. And then this year, I'm excited that you are attending. It's our second one. And we have an incredible lineup from Dr. Christian Coachman, Scott Luna, Kira Dent, Katie Toe, Kyle Stanley, Andy Jean Miro, who was also a guest on your your show. Um, like we've we have a packed lineup, and we have invited doctors from across the globe, and they've also invited their significant others to experience what a dental conference, but not really a conference, a dental vacation can be like. So we have all the the wineries chosen. We have the ground transportation. We have um, the dinners. It's, it's going to be a very curated first class experience. And I'm super excited to, uh, to host you, especially knowing that it's your first time to Sonoma. It is. Yeah. And I'm, I'm just so excited because I think it'll give me really good perspective because as a new grad, I feel like our perspective is very skewed. Like sometimes it's easy to feel pressured by like production numbers, um, CEs to like expand my like, like Invisalign implants. It's almost like there's endless things that I could brush up more on, but I want to be setting myself up for like healthy habits. I want to have a nice long career, um, and I honestly think that I feel like it's going to benefit me a lot to talk to dentists and talk about things like burnout and like wellness and all the things we're focusing on. Absolutely. And that is, I mean, that's the most important thing. Like you can, you can do all the procedures, mm-hmm. you can have the multi-million dollar practice, but you hear so many people who unfortunately kill themselves in our profession. Like we have a 15 times higher likelihood of committing suicide than the general public 15 times, which is crazy. And it's because we don't have an outlet or at least we feel like we don't have an outlet. We carry all the stress of the patients, of our staff, um, Mm -hmm. of our personal lives. And um, I'm really excited to be able to hear Kyle Stanley talk about that, how his, his own battle with depression and anxiety led him to create a course that is talking about mental health resilience. Mm. Um, It's going to be so much fun and, and just getting to know everyone on a more personal level where you feel that, that safe space to talk about, like, you know, um, I'm having marital issues or I'm being sued by a patient. Like Mm. these are the kinds of things that you will never be able to admit on social media. Like, Mm. could you imagine a Facebook group that you could just talk about that stuff? 
and I don't know if you feel this way too. I feel like it's so easy for the dental world or like the healthcare world in general to be kind of judgy. I see these posts on Facebook groups and people are like, why do you do this? Or like, well, like blah, blah, blah. And I feel like it's just so easy to be judgmental in the field. Yep. Um, but the vibe of what this is, is it just feels like a safe place to just like come together, share the things we're struggling with. And I just feel like I'm gonna go home with such a full appreciation and like love for like actually being part of this community, you know? That is exactly what we um we pride ourselves on because it's it is and it's hard for me to talk about it without sounding biased Connie Mm. but you are gonna meet you're gonna meet docs who attended last year and it's I mean they're all they're all coming back again this year because the the experience you can't get it at any other CE and um and yeah and it happens to be during the best time of year in honestly one of the most picturesque places that you could have a dental retreat. Oh my gosh. I am so excited. Can you share with everyone? Actually, wait, tickets are sold out right now, right? Like you you can't even come if you wanted to, or could you? We, so we've actually sold out the first time, but we were able Mm -hmm. to um, secure a handful of, of VIP tickets. So if you do have listeners of your show who, um, who want to attend? Um, I I would say reach out to you and then mm-hmm. Connie, you you tell me because so if you guys are listening and you need a break from your dental practice and you want to hang out with me and Connie and so many other amazing docs, make sure to reach out to her and um, she will she'll get you in because yes, it is a sold out event, but um, we got ways around that. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Thank you so much. Today's episode was so powerful. It was so moving. Um, I, I loved speaking with you. Like not many people are, are this like open and vulnerable. So I really appreciate you going there with me. Um, if you could just share with everyone where they can find you and reach out to you and all that good stuff. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for um, for having me as a guest. It was truly an honor. And I can't <laughs> wait to see you in person. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Ashley Hovez, DDS, A-S-H-L-E-Y-J-O-V-E-S-D-D-S. And our office's Instagram is at Smile and Company, all written out. And you can also find um, find us at themaking.of. And there's going to be more, um, more retreat information on there as well. And we also have a, um, a women's centered podcast, although we do have a lot of male listeners, but we (laughs) talk about women, women issues on the little black dress podcast. So, um, we get super vulnerable on there. It's hard being a woman, Connie. It's so hard. It's so hard every day. It's so hard. (laughs) 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 well thank you so much for everyone that's listening and thank you so much um if you like what you heard please leave a rating and review on apple Podcasts, and we'll see you guys next time bye